We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It's time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> It may be the nighttime, but the sports talk doesn't stop. Sports talk radio that's live, local, and not for the faint of heart. Oh, you didn't know? Sometimes angry. Loud noises! Telling it like it is. You insulted him a little bit. You got a little out of order yourself. And pretty much always right. Don't ever argue with the big dog. Big dog is always right. Text or call 404-741-0929 and be part of the show. Well, we're waiting from the Kia Studios. It's time for the John Chuckery Show. Serving you up sports on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Good evening, everybody. Rob Tribble in for uh, John Chuckery. John's got to take some uh, time off. Kind of an extended leave of absence. He's okay. If you saw him on Twitter last night, <laughs> spitting nails like always, but he's got some uh, issues to take care of over the next uh, couple of weeks, so I will be here. Whether you like it or not, hopefully you do like it. But let's dive right into this. I mean, everybody's talking, even outside of sports, about the DeMar Hamlin situation last night. Just just shocking and, and just so scary. I mean, I, just a couple of days ago, I was watching a bowl game. You see a kid uh, strapped to a backboard, taken off the field. I don't know the results of that. I should have looked into that. But it just, uh, I mean, it looked to be a routine tackle on uh, Bengals wide receiver T. Higgins. Tamar Hamlin rises to his feet. Then he collapsed due to a heart attack. And the latest is still in critical condition. I saw that just the latest uh, dropped about eight minutes ago. Still in critical condition. And uh, there's so many ways to go with this, certainly. Number one, it was just so heartbreaking because before the game last night, you see Tamar Hamlin run over to his mom and his family. I mean, he's he's... He's one of the happiest uh, men in the world. Gets to play in one of the biggest games of his young NFL career. The pride in his mother's eyes and his family's eyes. And then minutes later, his mom is sitting there wondering if his son's going to even get out of there alive. Well, he's still alive, fortunately. But uh, I go back and forth on the NFL's reaction to this last night. It took about an hour and ten minutes before whether or not they decided to postpone the game. And as of right now, no plans as to when or if they'll even make up this game, and that's going to gum up the works with playoff seedings and everything else. That might give the uh, Kansas City Chiefs the number one seed, but I think the Buffalo Bills players are not really thinking about playoff seedings right now. There's nothing more horrific than that sort of thing, certainly. But the NFL, and basically after Hamlin removed, was removed from the field, it was announced that the players had five minutes to warm up and resume play. I mean, these guys were just absolutely shell-shocked, traumatized, many of them in tears, praying with the urgency they've probably never prayed before in their life. And I think the one big thing I have a problem with, Roger Goodell, we did not even see his face last night. He could have 
gotten on the air and at least said something. But he said nothing. And it just seemed like it was such a callous thing. Well, you have five minutes to warm up and resume play. But luckily, the NFL decided better. Now, I understand the realities of those situations where it can be really a chaotic situation logistically and everything else. But I think when you're a $10 billion a year industry dealing with a gladiator sport that's so violent, it seems like every single possible contingency will have something ready, some plan ready. But you got to think about this. I don't care. I get so tired of the fact that uh, people just say, oh, they make million dollars, millions of dollars a year. Yeah, that means they're not entitled to any, any humanity whatsoever. NFL players are nothing more than livestock. Well-compensated livestock, certainly. Well-compensated beasts of burden. But come to face it, aren't we all? Dylan Matthews, we're all just livestock, livestock brother. Most of us, we're paid just enough, so we'll keep showing up. Otherwise, we'll starve. It's not the case with them, but that's how the elites, the people that own everything and run everything, they have such contempt for all of us. And I think the NFL may have some contempt for their players. That's what it comes back to. And think about this. I'm going to do a deep dive here, and I check this out. It was um, John D. Rockefeller. He was the first post-industrial billionaire, started Standard Oil. And his famous quote was, I don't want a world of educated people. I want a world of workers. Yes, yes, he said that. I don't want a nation of thinkers. I want a nation of workers. His right-hand man was a guy by the name of a friend. Bear with me now. There's a broader point to this. His right-hand man was a name by Frederick Gates. He said, we shall not try to make people or their children into philosophers or scientists or men of letters, men of learning. What's the broader point of this? Well, before, 1902, before 1902, education was through private entities. In 1902, Rockefeller, who said, I want a nation of workers, listen to George Carlin on this, by the way. He created the General Education Board, which funded the American school system. So basically for the past 100 years, we have been intentionally dumbed down. We have been intentionally dumbed down. We're merely drones. Look at what school curriculum is now. It's all about self-esteem and self-importance, if you ask me. It is. There's a broader point. So rather than learning the STEMs, you know, science, technology, engineering, or math, we're creating TikTok influencers. And that's the way it is. And that is my broader point being the people that own everything have such contempt for us. And guess what? The NFL has such contempt for their own players, they can callously say, you got five minutes to warm up and resume play. Roger Goodell, nowhere to be seen. I mean, think about this. You remember Marge Schott, that chain-smoking loon that owned the Cincinnati Reds? Opening day, April 1st, 1996, home plate umpire John McSherry collapsed and died at home plate. You know what Marge Schott's reaction was? She was complaining about how McSherry's death put her out. Quote, I don't believe it. First it snows because opening day got delayed by a few days because of snow. Now this. That's all you need to know. Yes. Yes, she's a terrible person. So just a, just a horrible thing. And the people that run everything have such contempt for us 
I think the NFL has such contempt from their, for their own players. Yes, I know. They're so well compensated. It's the life they chose, blah, 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 this, that, and the other. But you also got to go back a little further than that. Dr. Bennett Amalu discovered CTE in Mike Webster's brain, the great Steelers center. That's what led to his erratic behavior and eventual suicide. The NFL did everything they could to smear him, discredit him. He moved to a smaller city somewhere. They went after him. And here he is. He thought, wow, the NFL would love to hear this. They need to hear this about what's going on with players' brains. No. The NFL just used the media to absolutely smear him, discredit him, call him a quack, all the other things. Goes back to my broader point. People that own everything, they want workers. People to pull the levers, run the machines, throw the football, shoot the basketball, hit the baseball. Yes, they're well-compensated workers, but the broader point remains, the people that own and run everything have disdain for the rest of us. That 1%, that one-tenth of 1%. And uh, just a horrible thing to see. It's like, how many more times do we have to see this? I mean, we had to see Bob Rathbun, my boy Bob Rathbun. He had an episode on the air. Just awful to see. I remember um, Hank Gathers. Dylan, you're probably too young to remember that. Look up Hank Gathers. Played for a Loyola Marymount, and that was a high-scoring basketball team back in the, when was this? Was that, was like 87 or something like that? He collapsed right on the court and died. And there seems to be a lot of this going around. There's another heart attack of someone, 38-year-old, uh, what's his name, Uchi Nwaniri, the former Jaguar offensive lineman. He just died a few days ago at 38 of a heart attack. Former Central Florida tight end. What's that guy's name? Collapsed and died while running. 25 years old. Two ABC News producers. One of them for uh, this week, his name's Dax DeHare and some other woman, also in her 30s, died of a heart attack. There's been some soccer players suffering things, too. It's just a horrible time. And last night kind of uh, really bothered me. I had to plant two friends this past year, within the past year and a half. Very good shape. Treated their bodies a lot better than I treat mine. Dropped dead of a heart attack. It seems like there's just so much death and gloom, and it just seems like there's Horrible forces at work. And it just seems like such a difficult time, but it, it's just, it's just per- clearly awful. I will tell you this. Last night, when this was going on, ESPN better thank their lucky stars. They had the right man at the right time to, quali- to talk about this. I'm talking about Steeler Ryan Clark. Now, remember back in uh, 2007 when he was with the Steelers, he had to be rushed to the hospital. He had a splenic infarction. And that's a complication from a sickle cell anemia. That could have led to hemorrhaging. So Ryan Clark knows exactly what DeMar Hamlin was dealing with last night and his teammates. Take a listen to a brilliant two minutes of television. So many times in this game and in our job as well, we use the cliches, you know, I'm ready to die for this. I'm willing to give my life for this. It's, It's time to go to war. And I think sometimes we use those things so much, we forget that part of living this dream is putting your life at risk. And tonight, you know, we got to see a side of football that is extremely ugly, a side of football that no one ever 
the side of football that no one ever wants to see mm-hmm. or never wants to admit exists. When you see both teams on the field crying in that way, your first thought is DeMar Hamlin. Yep. The second thought is his family. And this isn't about a football player, right? This is about a human. This is about a brother. This is about a son. This is about a friend. This is about someone who is loved by so many that you have to watch go through this. I, um, I dealt with this before, and I watched my teammates for days come to my hospital bed and just cry. I had them call me and tell me that they didn't think I was going to make it, and now this team has to deal with that, and they have no answers. Mm-hmm. And so the next time I think that we get upset at our favorite fantasy player <laughs> or we're, we're upset that the, the guy on our team doesn't make the play and we're saying he's worthless and we're saying you get to make all this money, we should remember that these men are putting their lives on the line to live their dream. And tonight, DeMar Hamlin's dream became a nightmare for not only himself, but his family and his entire team. Brilliant job by Ryan Clark. He lived it. His uh, deep, deep sense of empathy for everything those players are going to and through, including uh, DeMar Hamlin, who, by the way, like I said, remains in critical condition after a collapsing mid-game last night. I didn't see it as it happened. I was kind of between things. I, I fully was going to get home and uh, try to catch at least three or quarters or a half, and then I heard that went down, and then I really started paying attention to it. And the, uh, the NFL, it's just such a, a cynical lot. Roger Goodell more preoccupied with shilling for the owners and cashing his $50 million a year checks. It's true. That's what it seems like. And another thing is what I've noticed. Seems like it's really uh, commonplace in the media. It seems like there's a lot of people in the media who cover sports. They reportedly love sports, but they resent the guys they play, that they cover. That's what it seems like. Seems like sports fans, a lot of you, kind of resent the guys that play, but you love it so much. It's such a weird, weird dichotomy. But again, DeMar Hamlin, still in critical condition. And uh, just, a, just a horrible thing. Looks like the NFL is going to offer mental health resources to players, staff, after that, that injury last night. And uh, that's a tough thing. And I remember, I think I was about ninth grade. I, I played football in eighth grade. There was a kid in DeKalb County playing uh, B-team football. It's junior varsity. He got paralyzed in a game, and my grandmother raised me, put the kibosh in my football career. That's when I went to baseball, swimming, and basketball. But, you know, and I remember how scary and horrible that was. It's just a terrible thing. Absolutely terrible. But we've got to, I'll, I'll keep you updated on DeMar Hamlin as we go on. Eventually, I'm going to hold my nose and talk about the Hawks last night and the Falcons. But coming up next, let's talk dogs. Looking to repeat. Rarefied air for any college football program. That's next. Rob Tribble in for John Chuckery. Sports Radio 929 The Game. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Attention, adoring fans. Back to more John Tucker. 
Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. In the final minute, Bennett from the pocket, launches to the end, Man, what a game that night. What an absolute game. I wonder, because we were down at the Reverb Hotel right by Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Me and my girl were hanging out with Mike Bell and Randy McMichael. Andy Bunker were doing a show down there. And there was a lot of pregame revelry going on. How many people who went to the game, how many people who watched the game actually remember the second half due to, uh, you know, libations here and there? You know, I say around fifty percent. Right? How, how are you? Were, you? were you pretty lucid for it? I, I no, I was good. Um, I was dog sitting for Mike Conti's dogs, and yeah. um, we went to the battery for a little bit, and then uh, so we were good. I mean, I had a couple of drinks, but nothing crazy. Comfortably numb is what it was. Right? <laughs> no, but, I was I was hyped. I was hyped. Man, I was too. But I thankfully I, I stayed sober enough to enjoy that game because there's been some big right. games in the past where. You know, you just kind of get caught up in the moment, and I've got friends who are horrible influences on me. They, they always ask me, "You want a shot? You want a shot?" And I, well, I think it'd be rude to turn it down. You know, it's rude when people offer you something, you say yes and you take it. And next thing you know, four or five of them later, now my friends they are accomplished. They can do 10, 12 shots. They're amazing. Yeah, they they belong on Wheaties boxes. World class athletic ability, Dylan. You can't coach that. That is talent alone from God. So 10 to 12 shots and without, like, throwing up or passing out oh, or anything, no. they're nah. perfectly fine? Nah. Livers of steel, my friend. Bulletproof wow. Teflon livers. But just a, just a great night last night, the other night, certainly watching this. But uh, I got to tell you, one guy that impressed me was one Coleridge Cornelius Stroud out of Rancho Cucamonga, California, C.J. Stroud. Of course, I was in for uh, Carl Dukes last week hosting with Mike. And the common notion was around the country, well, they basically called C.J. Stroud a statue. He showed a hell of a lot of mobility the other night, played the best game of his life. I feel bad for him. I hate Ohio State, but I feel bad for that kid right there. Just just a brilliant, brilliant performance. But I, I think I like C.J. Stroud even more because clearly he is very strategic and the way he decides to deploy his mobility. Maybe, maybe he's read about Andrew Luck and guys like that who, when they're too mobile, their careers are cut short. So maybe he's smart and clever like a fox in that way. But I didn't expect that much because I don't watch every Ohio State game. I've watched a few. Of course, you, I check into them while I'm watching other things, that virtual a la carte cornucopia of uh, college football on Saturdays. I never really saw it that much, but – he had it all together tonight, and he absolutely torched that Georgia secondary. But, but going into the game, though, wondered aloud, we wondered aloud, is Georgia secondary a pretty big liability? Had Danny Cannell, the former Florida State quarterback, on uh, last week, and he said maybe not an Achilles heel, but certainly something to be concerned about because you got to remember, LSU torched Georgia secondary for 500 yards, but somehow, some way, Georgia ends up uh, getting the victory. Now, of course, Eric Ainge, Mr. Hot Take Eric Ainge, the former Tennessee quarterback, I just saw this. <laughs> he is, he's that guy, he's just um, just Mr. Hot Take on the radio. Eric Ainge, uh, quote, you know who I can't stand, though? Stetson Bennett. 
It was cute when he first got to play and played pretty good. And now the whole, like, I'm a walk-on. I'm a JUCO transfer. He's like 28-3 as a starter at Georgia or something like that. I'm cheering hard against him. I want Georgia not to just lose a game. I don't want them to lose with Stetson Bennett throwing four touchdowns. I want Stetson Bennett to throw four picks and cost his team a championship. He's such a punk. What the hell did Stetson Bennett ever do to Eric Ainge? Remember, he was chirping about how, you know, he was like 2-0 and against Georgia in Athens as Tennessee's quarterback, but Georgia was not at the peak of their powers back then. And he was chirping about how Athens is nowhere near the atmosphere of Neyland Stadium. But at least uh, he had a mea culpa, and after that Georgia-Tennessee game, he did, in fact, admit that was an electric atmosphere, so he did that. But why come on the air and name-call someone? What is to be gained by that? What is this vitriol towards Stetson Bennett? Is it just because some people just don't like his face or something like that? Good God, that's one of the great American success stories. I mean, there's a nobility to the kid. You know, the, the whole notion of being resilient, never giving up. Wasn't that what Jim Valvano said famously before he passed away of cancer at the ESPYs that legendary night in, what, 1992? Never give up. Don't ever give up. But what does Stetson Bennett does? He hangs around. Everybody gets on it for being 25 years old. How is he still eligible? Well, because the COVID year allowed student athletes not to count that year, so you get an extra year of eligibility. Stetson Bennett comes on campus from from Blackshear as a walk-on. Decides to go to JUCO so he can actually play. Comes back to Georgia. You know the story. Kirby Smart, Todd Munkin, they've even said it out loud. We did everything possible to bury that kid. We did everything possible to discourage him. So what did Stetson Bennett do? He just kept working. I guess that makes him an unlikable punk. He just kept working. He believed in himself. You don't believe in yourself, nobody else will. And you know what Stetson Bennett ended up doing? He would run scout team and he'd give the defense better looks than the actual opposition he was mimicking during the week of practice. But, oh, no, let's, let's hate on Stetson Bennett. I don't get it. Again, that's what I mean. That goes back to a point I made in the prior segment. Why is it we that like sports, some of us resent the athletes so much that we like to watch? Why do some of the media resent the players that they cover? I don't get it. Rob, quick question for you. Yes, sir. So – if we do think Desmond Ritter is the guy and we decide not to really draft no, quarterback. No, we will not draft a quarterback, Dylan Matthews. Don't you dare draft a quarterback. Oh, but I'm saying, okay. Oh, okay. We don't draft a quarterback, but what if, though, Rob? What if? Fifth, sixth round, if Stetson Bennett is still there, do you take a flyer on him? I wouldn't. Sixth six or seventh round, I would. Yeah. Because Desmond Ritter does need one thing. He needs somebody to come into camp and push him next year. Don't let him waltz in with nobody pushing him. There's a lot of free agent quarterbacks out there. Absolutely, I would take a flyer on Stetson. It's six or seven, though, or maybe an undrafted free agent. But the way he performs in big games, certainly, and the fact his journey, that's a the high-character guy, so to speak. I mean, the resilience that guy showed. And people like Eric Ainge calling him a punk and all the vitriol on Twitter by the keyboard warriors. It's like, good Lord, people. We live in, we live in such a, a coarsened, angry society, Dylan. Unbelievable. But as Stetson Bennett, it's just a great story. But guess what? He wasn't perfect. But what does Stetson do? 
He'll have some lapses. He'll look like a one-star. Then he'll make plays in the most key moments that make him look like a five-star. But Stetson Minute, Stetson Minute does admit that there was kind of a bad stretch there. Got to go back and look at the tape, see what we could clean up, because it felt like there was a 30-minute period there where I just played bad football. And so we got to fix that. Even Kirby Smart. And here's another testament to Stetson Bennett, clearly how tough he is. Kirby Smart publicly criticized him. But you know why? Because Kirby knows that Stetson can take it. And one of Stetson's, Stetson's greatest traits is the fact that he gets over a bad play just like that. Every Major League Baseball closer should have his constitution, have that short memory, just doesn't care. It's kind of like uh, I compare it to maybe uh, the Miracle on Ice, the USA hockey team coached by Herb Brooks. Miracle on Ice beat the Soviets in 1980, Lake Placid. Herb Brooks had a way of dealing with the team. His main player was Micah Ruzioni. And Micah Ruzioni was Herb Brooks's. he was the dog that he kicked in the locker room. When he yelled at the team, he knew that Aruzioni could handle it. So when he was yelling at the team and he said the name Aruzioni, that meant the whole team. If he called him by name Mike, well, Mike, you're screwing up. But he was the guy that could take it. So Herb Brooks would get his message across because you have to be psychologists. That, that Coaches have to be brilliant psychologists because some guys just absolutely crumble. Crumble with criticism. Some guys you know you can yell at, kick them around a little bit. Other guys you have to handle with kid gloves, so to speak. Stetson, Stetson's Micah Ruzioni, if you ask me. That's what that boils down to. But in the st- fourth quarter, Stetson Bennett already enhanced his big game resume with what happened, and here's him describing uh, that fourth quarter. We talked about we had a little powwow there on the sideline the fourth quarter, and, you know, it wasn't going good. They they're beating us. We had sucked on offense, and, you know, it was just, hey, play by play, do your job. Doesn't, don't, it doesn't matter what happens on the other side of the ball or another position, do your job. And so we had done our job, and then we trusted the defense. Um, and then at that point, you know, we, it was up to, you know, I guess the kicker. <laughs> and Ryan Day probably putting that poor kicker in a bad situation. Now, Ohio State's kicker made a 48-yarder, but you could tell that was the absolute – it was basically borderline the absolute limit of his range. And they have to make him, what was it, a 50-yarder, 49, something like that. Yep, 50. And uh, people are criticizing Ryan Day for maybe not being as aggressive and kind of settling for that 50-yarder. He's getting raked over the coals for that. And, again, that's pretty irrational. Ryan Day's record at Ohio State is pretty good. And I remember when Jim Harbaugh did say Ryan Day acts like he had a triple when he was actually born on third base. The cover cupboard was very full when he took over for Urban, admittedly so. But he still won a hell of a lot of games. And uh, I go back to um, one Coleridge Cornelius Stroud from Rancho Cucamonga. I mean, good for him. He was also getting roasted for that Michigan game where they got dominated. But you just can't judge a kid by one game. Oh, big game, but this, that, and that. But he certainly came came through the other night. I mean, basically what, what the other night boils down to, Georgia won a game they lost. Ohio State lost a game they won is what, you, what it boils down to. Let's hear from uh, Kirby Smart. Uh, throwing some uh, compliments Ohio State's way. Yeah, I know you don't believe it. My heart goes out to those guys because they played well enough to win. And um, that's not 
you know, my concern, my concern is the, the men in our locker room, and we played well enough to win too, just well enough to win, and we played really hard uh, in the fourth quarter. I just, you know, I, I would have liked to seen a, a little cleaner um, game, and, and you got to give them a lot of credit. I mean, that they disrupted a lot of that, uh, and we didn't have, you know, a lot of turnovers. We didn't have self-inflicted wounds, and they didn't either. I mean, both teams played really well, and both defenses rose up and made stops. It was a very competitive, balanced game. And there weren't a lot of big plays in the kicking game like you might expect. Uh, but really just proud for our guys. Another thing is Ohio State's offensive line played really well. Jalen Carter wasn't as impactful, at least vividly so, maybe in subtle ways that we don't really can't comprehend unless we watch the film. But Jalen Carter, they dealt with him, cooped him up. Nobody else really on the Georgia defensive line stepped up that much. C.J. Stroud and just torched that secondary as well. So a lot of credit to Ohio State's uh, offensive line. And I should have known better. I had Georgia winning this game by 11. I thought they would pull away in the fourth quarter. I knew Ohio State would give them throw a th- land a few haymakers, certainly. But I thought Georgia would end up pulling away, winning by maybe 13 or something like that. That wasn't the case. Ohio State stuck around, stuck around. And stuck around and almost won the thing. But now you're talking about rarefied air. Georgia with a chance to repeat as national champions. Last year, they won the title for the first time in 40 years. And being a long-suffering Bulldog fan, I have suffered through many mediocre years, the Jim Donnan years, the Ray Goff years, uh, Mark Richt ebbing and flowing. He kind of peaked. And, it, and Mark Richt, I think, just got kind of burned out and tired after a little while. And God bless him. He got a great ovation the other night. He deserved Mark, Mark, Rick, Mark Rick's one of the greatest men in sports and beyond, if you ask me. Love Mark Rick. But now you have a chance to repeat as national champions. But we're going to come back, though. Two moments from that game the other night that don't necessarily flamboyantly stand out, but they made all the difference in the world. It's why Georgia won the game. And Kirby Smart might deserve an MVP. Rob Triple in for John Chuckery, Sports Radio, 1990 Game. So, who is this person? It's John Chuckery. Are you sure? Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. Welcome back. Rob Triple for uh, John Chuckery. Again, another update. Uh, DeMar Hamlin of the uh, Buffalo Bills. You saw what happened last night. Heart attack on the field, rushed to the hospital. Nothing new. Still in critical condition, but uh, thank goodness he's still hanging in there, and hopefully he'll bounce back. Now, there was a soccer player from uh, Denmark, I believe. And forgive me for not being more specific, but the overall narrative is clear. He suffered the same sort of thing. He came back, and he's playing at a pretty high level, so there's always hope, and He's only 24 years old, so uh, the ability to heal at that age is pretty spectacular. Oh, by the way, before I get into Georgia, apparently uh, Jim Harbaugh is really flirting with the NFL. He spoke with the Carolina Panthers owner, and they classified it not just an interview, just, just, uh, just a conversation, just a conversation. I'm sorry, but I think Steve Wilkes deserves that job. The job that dude has done after – the buffoonery of that clown show under Matt Rule? 
kidding me? Are you surprised Harbaugh wants to go back to the NFL, too? I mean, I know he had some success in San Fran, but to me, he seems like a better college coach. He seems like a better fit for college. It seems that way to me, too, but maybe he feels like he has some unfinished business because he almost won a Super Bowl, and that's the absolute pinnacle. So, I don't know. He may or may not, but I've seen a lot of stuff out there about him possibly going back to the NFL. It all remains to be seen, but it has been reported that he is speaking with the Panthers owner, and if I'm Steve Wilkes, I'm giving – a big middle finger. Steve Wilkes deserves that job. That was a disaster. He came in, stabilized it. Everybody talked. Oh, don't forget also, Carolina got off such a bad start. They trade away their best player in Christian McCaffrey, who's thriving out in San Francisco, by the way. And he just, uh, his level of preparedness, level-headedness, I mean, he completely dismantled the Falcons on that rainy Thursday night depressing game where Al Michaels, I think, thought about retiring at halftime of that game. He's like, good God, oh my, why am I here for this crap? I, I shaved my legs for this? That's what he's thinking probably. But Kirby Smart might be the MVP of that game Saturday night. And I'm talking about the timeout. 8.48 to go in the game, final quarter. Ohio State up 38-27. to Now, if anything, the Buckeyes are hairless nuts, if you want to call them that. They'd have been able to run a significant amount of clock out of that game. Set up to punt at midfield. They run a fake punt. Kirby Smart called a timeout just in time because the fake punt was successful. Guess what? Ohio State had 12 men on the field, though. Guess what? It didn't get called. Guess what? You can't review it. That play would have stood. And the way Ohio State was playing, and of course, C.J. Stroud, they probably would have gone up 45-27. That's ball game. That right there, that one moment where Kirby Smart called timeout, that saved the game. Let's hear from Kirby Smart on why he called timeout before that fake punt. Yeah, they just were not in their traditional formation. So um, a lot of teams carry that speed break. They come up the line quick. Everybody's lined up tight, and um, we, we, we've seen it, you know, in the SEC. A lot of teams carry it, and you try to practice it, but it's another thing when they actually do it and execute it, you know. So uh, it was one of those gut reactions that I didn't think that uh, we had it lined up properly to stop it. And so uh, called timeout. And credit to Kirby's evolution as a coach, too. He's long, long been criticized for his uh, time management skills, not to mention that Fake punt in the SEC championship game with Justin Fields coming in for that fake punch, which was just sheer buffoonery, a total clown show. It was. It was terrible. But Kirby Smart is certainly – he's tying up a lot of loose ends, and he is more and more becoming one of the more sophisticated coaches in all of college football, along with Nick Saban and a handful of others. But that was something else. He's the MVP right there. Ohio State's going to win that game if he did not. And he barely – Got the timeout called in time. But you saw in replays the timeout was justified and the officials allowing it, certainly. And that was a that was a huge, huge deal. Another thing, Brock Bowers, he was sick as a dog heading into the game. I don't know, was it the uh, perennial flu-like symptoms or something like that? And when I think flu-like symptoms, I think Michael Jordan. It seemed like Michael Jordan had his greatest games when he was suffering from Flu-like symptoms. That means he's going to go out and drop 52 on you is what it means. But Brock Bowers wasn't necessarily as impactful in the box score as you think. But his first down, that first down catch he made, and somehow that body awareness 
situational awareness, the whole thing was almost superhuman. Georgia down 38-27, fourth quarter. Georgia faced with a fourth and six from the Ohio State's 13. Bowers catches that short pass, turns a corner, and he gets his free hand and ball over the first baseline, where it was, and somehow his knees or ankles or no part of his lower body touched. Otherwise, that's where the ball would have been marked, and that means Ohio State football. That was massive, and a credit to him, too. Absolute credit to him for that. Still, trying to make an impact on the game, even though he was sick and wasn't as impactful as you think, but he certainly was. Another bad thing about Georgia, though, unfortunately, Georgia's wounded. That's how Randy McMichael described them today on Andy and Randy. Georgia is wounded. They are beaten up. Even Stetson Bennett, he had the ice pack on his shin. He wasn't right physically for a little while. Randy McMichael's even uh, tweeting about that. But Darnell Washington, that's a big deal. This guy was created in a lab. What, 6'7", 260, runs a 4'4". He's a tight end, but he can, he can destroy defensive linemen like an all-pro tackle. And uh, there you see him. And there were two telltale moments in this game, three actually. When C.J. Stroud had that 27-yard run, I'm thinking, oh, that's it. And then there's other little telltale things that lead you to believe this game is lost. Jalen Carter looking absolutely fatigued with this crestfallen look on his face. And then you see big mighty Darnell Washington come out on crutches. You're thinking, wow, this is over. And uh, Kirby Smart says uh, it's not a high ankle sprain with Darnell because if it is, there's no way he's playing next week in the national championship game out in Los Angeles against TCU. But Georgia's really good at kind of misleading you on the severity of injuries. I don't think we're going to see Darnell Washington. I don't think Georgia necessarily needs him. And Georgia's a linebacking core depleted, too. A lot of those guys are hurt. And TCU has a lot of explosiveness. You can't take it for granted. I know – Georgia's favored by 13 in that game. I think it's going to be a little easier than that. A lot of people are saying the national championship game was Saturday night, maybe. But if, if uh, that locker room up in Athens believes that, guess what? TCU is national champions, pure and simple. Let's hear from uh, Kirby Smart on uh, the state of his uh, human action figure of a tight end known as Darnell Washington. Hard to tell right now. It's ankle sprain. I don't know if it's high or low. Uh, he tried to go back and uh, couldn't go back on it. So we'll, we'll have to evaluate and see. The good news is he's got more than a, you know, a normal week, and I know he'll do everything he can to get back. He's headed out west, uh, back you know, towards where he's from, and uh, it'll be important to him to try to get back. We ain't gonna see him. We're not gonna see him. And a lot of people think, well, Kirby's just gonna insert another four or five star guy to replace all those linebackers. Yeah, maybe. But they don't have a lot of experience, a lot of them, though. That, that says a lot. Yes, they're on paper extremely talented, but in that much of a high-leverage situation of a game like that, now certainly some of these guys have seen action here and there, it remains to be seen. I'm not as concerned. Maybe this game will be as anticlimactic. I don't think so. I think TCU has something to say, certainly. I was picking them all week last week when I was on with Mike Bell that they would upset Michigan. And uh, they certainly did, didn't they? Their quarterback – and. Uh, Bo Morgan, Squid Billy, compared him to Jake Plummer. Jake the Snake Plummer is a brilliant, feisty dude, feisty dude. They've got a good wide receiver. They've got an edge rusher at TCU. I know they're not known for defense, 
They've got this edge rusher. It's probably going to be top 10. Might not look bad in a Falcons uniform. Maybe not. Maybe not. But Sonny Dykes, TCU's head coach, here he is after the game in the locker room preparing his players to talk to the media. And be sure, post-game stuff, you guys compliment Michigan. Say all that stuff about him. I told you guys, I'll handle the talking, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good for him. Good for him. And I got to tell you something else about TCU. You think it's an afterthought. The fact that you want to talk about a resilient team, how many games have they been behind late? What about that game where they had mere seconds to change personnel, to set up for a game-winning field goal, and they make that field goal? TCU is not going to panic in this game unless it's a blowout. If it's a close game, they're going to stick around. They will stick around because they came from behind. They had so many come from behind victories this season, many of them coming on the last possession. Got a really good quarterback. They've got some explosive players. They have a wideout that's probably a top 10 pick, maybe top 20 at least. At the I'll very handle least. Talking, right? Indeed. And uh, I'm handling the beep talking for John Chuckery tonight, taking a little bit of a leave of absence. And uh, he's okay. If you saw him on Twitter last night, he's just fine. He's just got some stuff to take care of. And uh, I guess we're going to have a more, um, maybe a, a more sensitive, empathetic, broadcast with me filling in for no don't count on that for one second my degree of snark doesn't compare to uh chuck reese but it's there though and i i I know i'm going to be disappointing i can only give you water cooler talking points two to three months in advance not six months in advance like john chuck retouts so much but uh hope john's listening uh doing 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 well i love you brother i hope everything's okay but uh georgia tcu monday night california and who would have thought, if you would have told me 10 years ago that Georgia would be trying to repeat as national champions, I would say, uh, can I have what you're smoking? Unless it's uh, laced with angel dust and that stuff's kind of trippy. I don't want to deal with it. It's kind of scary. But um, just what, a, what an incredible – and you think about how incredible this season is for Georgia and how difficult it is to win a football game. Georgia loses, what, 15 guys to the NFL – that defense is absolutely basically playing on Sundays now, and many of them are thriving, by the way. I don't think he took anybody in on the transfer portal. He just keeps recruiting his absolute butt off. But I'm here to tell you, though, there's a lot of people throwing dirt on the grave of uh, Alabama and Nick Saban. You do so at your own peril. You see what they did in their bowl game against Kansas State? And credit to their quarterback and uh, Will Anderson for playing in that game. They caught a lot of heat for that. Why would you want to play in this game? I think it's a noble thing. I also understand the other side of that coin. I don't want to risk injury. I get that. But credit to them for doing it. And Nick Saban was pretty funny. Pre-game, he's out there stretching on the field with him with this serene look on his face, just light and easy and airy. And He's 71. There's, a, there's guys my age who can't move around like Nick Saban does. But they had the top recruiting class in the country. So don't you dare... Think of them as an afterthought. And I think there's some programs emerging, too. Look at Washington. Their quarterback? you kidding me? 11 wins this year? Florida State, 10 wins? They're both getting their quarterback back. Mike Norvell's doing a great job down there at Florida State. You mean the? You mean to tell me the fighting Andy Bunkers and the fighting Mike Bells yes. actually might be uh, competitive yes, next yes, year? Yes, indeed. It, it was funny. We were on the air at the same time. We were talking about that, and they both just had this, this look of sheer orgasmic – 
smiles on their face. But, yeah, certainly. All right, now I'm putting off talking about the Hawks. They, they lose to an underhanded, injured Golden State team like that last night. And uh, But now I'm going to hold my nose and talk about the Falcons. I'm only holding my nose temporarily, though, because I am highly optimistic about next year. Rob Tribble in for John Chuckery, Sports Radio 1990 Game. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.